I'm April. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst, a podcast that looks at the latest in pop culture, including film, TV and music, as well as dissecting some very important topics of our choosing. You can find us online with Twitter at The Thirst, Facebook.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. We're also over on Instagram at The Thirst Pod. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all of the Spotify podcast areas. You can locate us there by searching for The Thirst. Our email address is thethirstpod at gmail.com. You can leave us some reviews if you would like to. Uh, we also share things over on our blog as well, The thirstpod.wordpress.com and have a look on the show notes for any links to anything you may find there um we this what what are we calling this episode it's just a special really isn't it it's not even an emergency because it's a week after the fact klaxon emergency we took seven days to do it but uh it's it's a special backed by popular demand taking a a vacay from our hiatus. We have, yes. So that's the, uh, not not really an elephant in the room, is it? But we haven't actually recorded an episode since we did our best of 2021, which was lovely. That was a nice time recap of everything we enjoyed last year. Yeah. Life gets in the way, doesn't it? 2022, not been great for either of us uh, so far. <laughs> not a great time. Not a great time, but Twitter's alive and well. <laughs> Yeah, if you follow us on Twitter, that's the best place to find our thrilling content. <laughs> um, so yes, we are backed by popular demand. Uh, I say popular like three people. But... Yeah, thanks so much to those three peeps. It was really nice to hear from you. So uh, we are back because we are going to be discussing the Oscars. The Oscars happened last week. Um, and what better opportunity to drag us back into the pod sphere than the 2022 Academy Awards. So without further ado, uh, the 94th Academy Awards presents by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science took place at the Dolby Theatre in Los Angeles on March the 27th, 2022 and honoured the best films released between the 1st of March and December 31st, 2021. The ceremony this year was hosted by Regina Hall, Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes. It was the first ceremony since the 83rd Academy Awards in 2011 to feature multiple hosts. Everything was largely back to normal to an extent after 2021's reduced affair. There were approximately 2004 500 guests attended what was there really i saw like 30 people there yeah but if you think about it there's obviously all of the everyone bringing guests there's lots of other people involved in films other than like the main cast isn't it so that's you know that's why it's quite hefty they invited 2500 people but they still didn't invite rachel ziegler to begin with Mm -hmm. okay yep so nominees and guests were required to show either proof of vaccination medical exemption from vaccination and two negative PCRs. <laughs> so detailed. I love this. This is the part that confused me, though. Presenters and performers were tested but didn't have to be vaccinated. This so makes no what? sense to me. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm not going to unpack that too much because it makes my brain hurt ever so slightly. Let's not go into the anti-vax conspiracies nope. at this point. Um, so there were varying levels of controversy ahead of the ceremony, particularly the axing of eight categories from the live broadcast, which we will come on to. Um, that was in an attempt to shorten the show. Amy Schumer had also publicly spoken out about how she'd wanted part of the ceremony to draw attention to the conflict in Ukraine, particularly having <laughs> President Zelensky address the audience via video link. It's absurd. Um, Sean Penn then also responded to this by saying he would, quote, smelt his Oscar publicly if Zelensky didn't attend. As far as we are aware, though, his awards are still intact. No one cares. Who gives a fuck about Sean Penn? I honestly couldn't give a less of a shit about what 
anything that Sean Penn has to say at this stage. Please don't. Um, Rachel Zegler, as you mentioned, who played Maria in West Side Story, had publicly drawn attention to the fact that she hadn't actually been invited this year, which led to lots of online discussion and eventually an invitation was extended to her and she in fact presented an award alongside Jacob Elordi. Hot. Hot. So going into the awards, Power of the Dog had 12 nominations, June had 10, Belfast and West Side Story had 7, King Richard had 6, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car and Nightmare Alley all had 4, and then Being the Ricardos, Coda, Encanto, Flea, Licorice Pizza, The Lost Daughter, No Time to Die and The Tragedy of Macbeth all had 3. Obviously lots of other films were nominated but those are the ones with the most nominations. Generally ratings were up 63% on last year's all-time record low, however only (laughs) 16.64 million people actually tuned in which is is in fact the second lowest of all time. Wonderful. So So we're off to a great start. Great start. Um, So obviously we didn't discuss any of the nominations in advance of the awards like we would do normally because as we said we hadn't recorded but we were sort of involved interested with the awards uh, as they were. Um, What were we doing on the night? Where were we? What were we doing? Steph what were you doing? I was asleep. Love this. Just to be honest I think I've had minimal investment this year I have to Mm -hmm. say. There are some really good films nominated as I'm sure we will discuss but I feel like scepticism has overtaken my fascination with how weird and stupid Hollywood is and Mm -hmm. I don't know I just wasn't feeling it also life as we before you know mentioned life got in the way I myself was actually quite busy seeing Phil Collins the night before with my mum and then catching Covid so I've had quite a busy few days and I just couldn't be bothered to stay up to watch it but you were far more involved. You went in for both of us, I feel. Yeah, so I, I was, I suppose, our correspondent. You were. Um, I'm the same as you, really. Ahead of this, I wasn't really that bothered. The only thing I did do in advance of that weekend was I decided to try and watch all of the Best Picture nominees, which I did as just a small act of completism. Basically, I've, I've seen like hardly any of the other films nominated, which I will mention at some stage, but for those that were nominated for, for Best Picture, I did manage to watch so I was sort of interested in that sense apart from that though some of the nominees I just wasn't that bothered about I think it's a fairly weak year when it comes to a lot of the actual acting categories yada yada but I did go to our friend Claire Biddles's uh, online Oscar party which was a delight that's our annual staple now I feel I say annual we've done it twice I mean it's annual now it is now we did it last year it was lovely so I went along this year um, we had a wonderful quiz overseen by Dolly and I came second not that I'm bragging or anything and who won the uh the oscars ballot well i won the oscar nominee ballot so Yay! we did we had to submit who we thought would win this year and i came out on top i got 20 out of 23 right so that's crazy love that for me so yeah that was what i was doing my evening i engaged in some lovely uh group chat but i did actually go to bed when the main ceremony began because that was at like 1am when i had work the next day i did wake up to 758 messages in the group chat though so well done everyone a dedicated bunch Before the ceremony began, we obviously had the red carpet. So this was, I mean, to be honest, this is the thing that I think dragged us back in and made us sort of think, oh, we're going to have to talk about the ceremony, aren't we? And, and And I will just preface this by saying never have I ever wanted to ring you more in the middle of the night when a certain person turned up on the red carpet and you were asleep and I was just losing my mind 
in the group chat with everyone just thinking like oh my god oh my god this is like the thing that could have happened has happened and you're asleep right and now. I'm bloody asleep I really I this is my largest regret I have to say I never would have slept afterwards though if I had been awake there just would have been no sleep no sleep for Steph but um in my head I don't mm. know why the Oscars red carpet is like the Met Gala now and everyone yeah. I just assume everyone should dress extremely elaborately rather than smartly so I don't know in my head I just think they all need to get more and more ridiculous with it yeah I mean there are definitely some things I liked and things I loathe I think we had more yeses than noes this year though yeah yeah I think so one thing I will say is that it did seem very indicative to me that like everyone is coming out of this sort of like slightly strange two-year period of covid and there just seemed to be like lots of flesh on display I think I actually described it to you as being like there were lots of tits out on the on the red carpet oh my god so many boobies everyone was naked it was like everyone just emerged from their little covid hovels and just took off their clothes so all of the top of my yes list was mostly just half naked people with nice racks yeah so let's go through some of the ones that we liked before the ones that we loathe Uh, i will let you begin because i think this is where you're going to really come into your own naked timmy He just knew he had to improve on his last look where he looked like he was from like fucking Greece or something. What are they called in Greece? What are the boys in Greece? Can't remember. They're not the pink flamingos. What are they called? I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was so good, wasn't it? He was fully naked. He had his little high-waisted back. He forgot his shirt, as we all do at some point. It's like when I went to work in the car once and forgot my slippers. So it was that level of... No, it was so good. He He's had so many strong looks. And then we've had a couple that have been like, ah, it's all right, but it's not like... that's. We want some flesh, is essentially it. Yeah, he, he did what he needed to do, I think, for us collectively as a society. <laughs> Give the perverts what they want. <laughs> Just give them what they want. They want little high waisted back. He looked great though. I really liked it. I don't know why the little high waist at the back with the nip tuck drove me more insane than the naked front, but it truly did. I didn't actually realise that um, that's what the outfit looked like from the rear. <laughs> Can you please describe what he's wearing for you know podcaster and um notoriously visual medium so please can you describe his outfit at the, the Oscars? So he had his beautiful curls mm-hmm. that were looking very luscious yep. and curly and you know that yep. he barely has to do anything except like just put a bit of spritz in there. There's no no need to do anything else. And then he had a lovely slightly cropped and I'm not always well, I say I'm not here for cropped stuff. It's cuz I can't wear cropped stuff. That's why I'm not into it. But um he had a lovely cropped little tuxedo jacket on and it mm-hmm. was all sparkly and it had some nice little cuffs that were kind of lacy. Um and then he had nothing on underneath except some bling. His pasty chest. Lovely pasty skinny chest. <laughs> With no definition whatsoever, just the way I like it. And then <laughs> some nice, tapered, slightly higher-waisted trousers. I liked it. They which were, good were very fitting. And then his uh, his classic staple size 5,000 shoes. <laughs> Big feet. <laughs> very large feet. I'm not, I bet he's got really petite feet under there, but he just keeps wearing large, <laughs> large boots to uh, overemphasise the feet area 
which helps to overemphasize other areas, really, doesn't it? So, uh, yes, and then lots of bling because he really loves rings. And for a lady that absolutely loves jewellery, I'm just not convinced by his ring wearing ever. But it's fine. I will forgive him for it because I actually think it's part of his look now. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when you look on the back, uh, I can't even find a picture of the back now, but it was basically a little tuck at the top. And then the the trousers had like this really nice, I don't even know what you'd call it on the back. It was almost like a little little embellishment. It's like the thing where you can like tighten them. I can't yes. think what the actual technical term is to describe it. April, is it a belt? Like, no, it's like a fastener, isn't it? Where it, like, like on, they have them on waistcoats. A lovely little fastener. A thing I won't share visually with anyone, but I did send to you yesterday, is there was a point where I had to nip downstairs in the house because I was just come out of the shower <laughs> and I chucked on my cardigan and I looked like Timothy Chalamet going to the Oscars. All pasty and flat underneath. You were doing great homage. There was also that picture that I sent you that every so often does the rounds upon social media and every time I see it, I have to engage with it because it just makes my brain melt is that picture of um al pacino at the oscars where he's basically just wearing oh my god he's he's wearing a suit jacket and he basically just has his chest out as well and we should share that we should share yeah that I, on i'll the... post it on on twitter.com it's just it's just a lovely picture he was pacino. channeling al pacino i think yeah in my head he is now i just can't work out this is for another podcast entirely but i just can't work out how timothy chalamet is gonna age no i can't what's I'm gonna happen there maybe he'll never grow old I don't know if it's going to go down the route of, like, Leo. No! Yeah, he'll just lose all his boyish good looks. What, he'll just melt like a waxy can. To be fair, (laughs) I think he has already outlived the window in which... Because Leo, let's be honest, was hot for, like, three years. Controversial. Mm. Um, I'm going to get shouted at in our Gmail now. But um, he... I don't think he was actually at his peak for that long. Whereas um, Timmy has done quite well so far. Do you know who I think he might age like? Who? I think he might age like Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, yes. Because they've got the <gasps> cheekbones. Like, Loads I think of he'll car, age gracefully. a nice yeah. little earring. They've got the same brows. Like Timmy now gives me like very young DDL energy. Yes. So I feel like hopefully it will go that direction. Is that or like Christian Bale, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who I think is still very handsome. Absol- so. I mean, they're both extraordinarily handsome. So we will, yeah. we will, we'd love that. Either way, what a joy to see him. What a lovely, lovely, sweet baby angel he is. Just lovely. Um, who are some other people with outfits that you enjoyed on the red carpet this year? Uh, Zendaya was naked as well in mm, a sort of I... Valentino. Did you not like it? <sighs> I understand the reference and I and it, I it works for her because she could essentially wear a bin bag at this point and would look glorious. It wasn't one of my favorites though. I really liked the skirt. Yeah. The shirt the silk the little shirt. shirt wasn't working for me. To be fair, I thought when we were doing the June press tour, I thought some of those looks were a bit more miss for me. So yeah, I kind of I don't know. I I kind of like mostly I was just happy to see her tummy. So same. Well done for everyone for getting naked. Um, who else was naked? Oh, uh, Kristen Stewart was naked. She's one of my favourites as well. I often she, so she was wearing Chanel, um, and she it was basically sort of a tuxedo. She wore shorts. That was the big thing. And she mirrored Timmy. They both undid their tops. Yeah, she had a, a white shirt and a suit jacket, and the the, the shirt was undone to the belly button. Um, my favourite thing about Kristen Stewart on the red carpet is that she was wearing heels, and then literally as soon as she'd done her photo calls, she sw- was she like off. 
She swapped out into like a pair of socks and loafers, which I oh, just loved. Oh, nice. With with socks, no less. Yeah, wh- a white sock and a, a, a black loafer, which is like a very bold move. I'm go- I bet that looked horrible, but I will accept it. Mm, I think it looked, it looked quite cool. It looked quite cool. Is it because it was her? Yeah, of course, obviously. Sure, sure. Who else did I think looked nice? Uh, I was surprised. Jessica Chastain and Gucci, very purple and pink and sparkly. I thought that was very nice. I really enjoyed that, and I really liked how the the color blending of it, because at the top it's a sort of like peachy orange, which matched her hair in a really nice way. And then it goes into like lilacy purple. It was giving me Club Tropicana vibes. Yeah, it's quite. It was nice though. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, but it just it really suited her. Yeah. Um, reluctantly, I will admit that Lily James looked stunning with that like pink Versace. Steph, controversially, I hated it. No! Yes! I thought it was great. Oh, I hated it, but I think I just am so sick of her at this point. I know, so sorry to her, but... But I will say, it feels like she's she's very much on this, like, Pam and Tommy, like, it's very it was very 90s in a way that I think worked for her, but I just did not enjoy it. Yeah, I really liked it. The one thing that made me laugh was that watching her in front of the cameras when you have to do the awkward in front of the paps bit on the red mm-hmm. carpet. Um, she was smiling so awkwardly. It just fully captured the weirdness of having to stand in front of like yeah. dozens of people who are shouting at you. Yeah. And I just thought that is exactly what I would be doing. Like this oh, is... Yeah. This is freakish. What a freakish thing to do. This is my favourite thing about like sitting here and offering like any kind of critique about the red carpet because I know that I would just be like the most awkward turtle in the No, no, April. I feel like we'd just be so brilliant at it. I would be like, can I have a look at the photos first, please, before you put them anywhere? Like I need to make sure I don't look. Yeah. Um, Who else? Uh, I thought Alana Haim. That was one of my favourites. In the pearly... The pearly seashell vibe. It was very mermaid. It was just really like, I don't know. She. I just thought she looked lovely. I think that I've really enjoyed a lot of her outfit choices at various awards over the last few months. But this, I think, was like a really nice like final outfit. Absolutely. There were a few, few mermaidy people. Hallie mm. looked very like aerial. She had that like, what's it? Not tealy, turquoise. Very turquoise Yeah, it was turquoise, wasn't it? Yeah, I, initially I thought I didn't like it, but I actually think I it suited her quite well. It really works for her. It if does. anyone else had worn it, they would have just looked horrendous, but she looked... Very good. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, I thought, looked amazing in Stella McCartney. She had that, like... I loved that. Midnight blue, sparkly, very high neck. Stunning. I've been really enjoying Cody Smith McPhee's outfits. Yes. And I loved him in that baby blue suit. My favourite thing with Cody is that, like, at all of the awards... Uh, ceremonies that he's been to I'm just really enjoying like his absolute like icy demeanor he just does not like no emotion passes his face and I feel like it's a commitment to the bit for the entire it is it so is he looks so unbothered and I love it he had some great platform shoes as well there were some very 90s style throwbacks I feel this time yeah I really liked Olivia Coleman in Dior I loved oh yeah the very high neck silver there's some high necks on the older ladies going on that I thought looked absolutely fabulous it was really flattering on her yeah uh, Kirsten Dunst I thought looked I mean I think Mm. just seeing Kirsten Dunst and Jessie Plemons together is a joy always isn't it but I thought she looked beautiful like the red very textured that was gorgeous there was a lot of red on the red carpet as well. Ariana DeBose's um, Valentino. Oh, she had like the the um, the pantsuit, didn't she? The red pantsuit thing. Lots of very angled, very nice. Yeah, it was like a wide leg trouser and like a crop top. It was just, she looked really, really great. The only other male I really had, to be honest, of note was Andrew Garfield because he had that Saint Laurent, very nice deep purple velvet, very cute. Velvet. 
Velvet with the bow tie. Thank you very much, Andrew. Yes, thank you for representing. That was um, lovely. I, I basically had no other men, really. No, he was the only man on mine other than Cody Smith-McPhee. It was just those two. Yeah, I think they, they stood out, didn't they? I mean, men traditionally look quite boring in these circumstances, unless you're Jacob Elordi, because he gets a pass for just being exceptionally tall and handsome. For just being tall. Congratulations to him. Um, Is there anyone whose outfit you completely loathed? So I loathed Amy Schumer's outfit. What was that? The, 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 the horrible bow. bow. The boob bow. The Christmas Awful. boob bow. That was Oscar Awful. De La Renta. Awful. It gave me like woolly Christmas jumper vibes. Oh. I hated it. I didn't love Jesse Buckley's dress for a specific reason, which was that you could see all the crease marks in it. it like really odd, wasn't you it? just unwrapped a pair of curtains from Dunnell Mill, <laughs> which is basically all of the curtains in my house. You cannot iron those creases out. And it was very much giving me that. Yeah, I, I was initially very critical about her hair and then I realised that at the moment she is performing cabaret on stage in London so the hair is very much like for the role. Yeah, it makes sense. Maybe not her first choice, but fair. No, but I just felt that she looked so washed out. That dress wasn't It was really not a very... Yeah, the pale pink nude thing wasn't... It mm. just wasn't great, was it? Um, I did make a note that I do not like that Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker were just... <laughs> A, exceedingly boring, and B, just there full stop. Like, you don't, again, you don't invite Rachel Ziegler, but you do invite them and Karamo. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? I did not like either of the outfits they were wearing. I also didn't understand this, like, I think I shared it on the podcast Twitter account where it was like, oh, Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian bring, like, goth to the red carpet and it's like these are just two people that are wearing black clothing. This is extremely insulting. There were so many, I have to say, there were so many people who brought a specific brand of torture garden goth to the Vanity Fair after party that we could discuss. Yes. But C- Courtney Kardashian, and Tra- that is just, what, because he's got some tattoos? Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, that's it. He's, he has tattoos and he's wearing black. Extreme goth, goth vibes. <laughs> God, I'm so embarrassed by both of them. Um, was there anyone else you found to be a no? I was slightly perplexed by Maggie Gyllenhaal's outfit that was a very structured tee with, like, doorknobs on it. I had two that were in my I-can't-make-up-my-mind category, and one was Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I was just confused by it. Half of me was like, this is amazing, and half of me thought it made her look like a giant card from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, nobody else would be able to pull this off. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal is able to do it, I think. But yes. I, I just think as a concept, I wasn't into it. Who was your other one that you weren't sure about? Feels unnecessarily harsh because she's getting loads of flack for it now. And that I actually think that's not fair. But I didn't love Billie Eilish and Gucci. I really okay. liked her Vanity Fair after party look where she was basically mm. wearing a pair of new rocks. Great. Yeah. This love was it. like... I don't know. There's something about it I didn't like. However, I do sense that it's very much in her wheelhouse and is something she would be very happy and comfortable with. So good for her, really. Can I just say something regarding Billie Eilish? Yes. Is that I I just, I really cannot get past the fact that her brother is called Phineas. I know. He's a character from Hunger Games. Phineas. Phineas. Phineas and Billie. Phineas. Just, it's, it's just an interesting choice. Anyway, sorry, did not mean to be. No, <laughs> I, I think about that often. I'm always mm. like, what's his name? Finley? Finn? 
Phineas. No, it's Phineas. He is a character from Harry Potter slash just a YA novel generally. Um, nice to see him though. We don't always right, see yeah. him in the spotlight. <laughs> Good him. for him. Bet he doesn't resent his sister at all. Um, the only other person whose outfit I just wasn't on board with was Nicole Kidman's like slightly poofed thing. The not, poofed not, thing. Not into it. I think you have to be careful with a poof, don't you? She makes it work because she's quite tall and elegant. So it's like fine but if i wore it for example i would just look like i had a rubber ring around my I waist can't, oh so. i can't wear any of these dresses like none no, but not a single one that one in particular would look like i come dressed as like a, a footstool yes <laughs> there i think there were some nice looks at the vanity fair after party mm. i liked sydney sweeney's look but i might be deeply biased because i think she's wonderful i almost think that everyone always looks better at the vanity fair after party is it because you invite a bunch of people that weren't allowed to go to the actual academy awards there's a lot of people that go to the after party that aren't at the awards it's just like the entire cast of euphoria really Pretty much, yeah. I also think that it's like obviously a, a more relaxed affair, so everyone wears slightly less binding clothing. Yeah, know. Bronco Timmy. Bronco Timmy. Wearing Alexander McQueen, absolutely the best. It was like denim slash leather. This is this is what I was talking about, my Torture Garden MCR gig feel. We had like... It was very yeehaw agenda. It was. I thought Kristen Stewart looked even hotter at the after party in she the Chanel. She looked fucking great. Amazing. Again, reluctantly, Anya Taylor-Joy looked quite cool. She did look good. Hunter Schaefer and Dominic Fike, love them both. Cute. Just looking very good. Um, what's Julia Fox about? That's an entire podcast of its own. <laughs> Why does she give me Black Swan on all occasions? <sighs> I don't know. I just, I honestly don't know what's going on there. It feels like it's an art piece. She's a loose um, cannon, isn't she? Yeah, that I could honestly, we could do, we could do like an hour long dissection of, of the journey of Julia Fox. Just, um, I would not want to be her friend or her enemy. I just would do anything I could to avoid being within the remit of Julia Fox. I don't think it's a good thing. That outfit that she was wearing just gave me a lot of anxiety. It was so horrible. I did not, not on, not on board with it, but yeah. And a shout out to Joe Jonas for looking like an ice skater. He looks, yeah, he just exudes ice skater energy, doesn't he? He does. He's very short next to his... He is quite short, yeah. Um, Sophie Turner is, is tall, isn't she? She so... is very tall. She is. And Preggers again, congrats. I love her. Almost without any justification, I just... Yeah, fine. She seems very chill. She congrats seems to nice. them. Those were my outfit thoughts. Did you have anything else? No. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm glad we summarised that quite nicely. So, from outfits on to the ceremony. Now, as we kind of uh, loosely alluded to at the beginning, there were some categories that were not televised. They were pushed to the pre-show, pre-recorded, um, hosted by Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa. June heavy there very sad missed that so this is from Wikipedia so soz if it sounds weird so the presentations and acceptance of eight awards best animated short film best documentary short subject best film editing best live action short film best makeup and hairstyling best original score best production design and best sound were not broadcast live but instead pre-taped an hour before the start of the telecast in an attempt to quote allow more time for comedy film clips and musical numbers love to allow more time for comedy 
comedy. Yeah, the irony there, though, is that despite all of these changes, the final programme ran for three hours and 42 minutes, the longest show since 2018. (laughs) So it backfired slightly. Obviously backfired. So those were the ones that weren't televised. Um, June swept the board in those categories, which is unsurprising, really. I'm so sad that June won six awards and I got to see precisely none of them. A because four of them happened off telly and B because the the Oscars highlights I watched on Now TV just didn't show any of them. I know that's what I thought was odd as well because I made a note of the fact that like because we obviously didn't watch it live and then we watched the highlights um I had to go back and go like wait they didn't even show best no no cinematography or visual effects we got absolutely no June fix which made me very sad it's just odd to me because it's like one of the biggest films of 2021 in a year where like cinema and cinema attendance was still very odd because of covid it's like a full full full-blown blockbuster it's mad it's so mad to me and then the uh, the other thing just with regards to June as well is that Denis Villeneuve didn't even get nominated for best director and it's like he was at the helm of making this famously unfair filmable film what a massively inconsistent thread of award nominations this year it was very very bizarre which i'm sure we'll cover but just yeah shame we didn't get to see riz ahmed win for his live action short film that was a shame it's just and again we'll talk about this more it's just funny what they chose to include aka lots of very weird stuff and what they chose to exclude um, and it all just felt like a very weird viewing experience. Like It's really strange because amidst all of the controversy and after this announcement was made, which partly I think was due to pressure from ABC, who'd demanded that the 12 categories of the 23 be moved off the live broadcast um, and threatened to not air the ceremony at all. Like the decision to, to shift those particular categories off is, as well is like, it just really does all of that a disservice. And if you think about all of the components that come together to make, a film like a film isn't a film without editor you know yeah, like right. a director is only as good as their editor at the end of the day so mm-hmm. it's just so bizarre to me that you would move all of these significant categories off and you know what are you saying to the people that are nominated there what are you saying to the entire like trade oh of course they're absolutely it's really they're disregarding huge huge swathes of very talented people and they don't care to be honest. And you're not even saving time anyway. No, it didn't even work. You're just so... It's very strange because part of me watched this... Again, I only watched the highlights, so a neat hour and a half. Um, highlights, if you can call them that. A lot of it felt like overly polished. Mm. And it felt like lots of guests there were kind of just going through the motions of the whole thing. It's yeah. just like, yes, someone gives... I don't know. It just felt very... I don't know. We've just reached this point where we have like a bunch of really kind of humourless, awkward scripted jokes and then like a bit and then uh, a video montage. And then, I don't know, it just felt extremely like we were just going through the motions of a lot of it this year but at the same time very polished and also just a complete mess I think I said to you after I'd finished watching it yesterday that like I just found the entire thing to be such a slog like it just felt like such a slog to get through and and despite the fact that there were some you know interesting presenter combos which we'll oh, yeah. come on to and some nice wins yeah absolutely you know i i didn't I, I didn't hate it but it just felt like such a slog i felt like most of the people who were there found it a slog as well mm, like samuel yeah. L. jackson definitely found it a slog and he doesn't care his face said it all i think no he received an honorary oscar and he still doesn't give a shit so should no. we just discuss some of the presenters yes let's do it um my favorite about 
Marvel was the uh, Zoe Kravitz and Jake Gyllenhaal combination. I thought you might have liked that. <sighs> Love that for me. I I think ahead of it as well, I'd not realised they hosted together. I knew they were hosting a, an award, or presenting an award, sorry, but I didn't realise they were doing it together. So it that was, was very, it was me. a very nice moment, wasn't it? Yeah, the pairing of Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli made me extremely sad. Cute but sad cute but sad it's funny as well because lady gaga is like fully gonna go the route of liza minnelli in like a they'll be wheeling her out when she's like 80 oh of course they will i think they have a lot in common everyone needs to stop worrying about liza minnelli being wheeled out though because she was having a great time so let the older talent have a good time yeah um however though i did not understand the need to bring out al pacino (laughs) and robert de niro with francis ford coppola regarding like the godfather anniversary objectively fine and it was very lovely to hear francis talk lovingly about the film and the trilogy etc etc but what was the point of having al pacino and robert de niro just stand there well this is just the whole point isn't it like let my man talk a weird thing that they chose to include that just felt entirely irrelevant and Al Pacino definitely didn't want to be there Um, and it just felt like they were wheeling three famous old white men instead of one famous old white man onto the stage to give it a bit more glitz. Yeah, like that anniversary made sense to me because it is a significant anniversary but like what is the point of having Uma Thurman, Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta for like the 28th anniversary of Pulp Fiction? Do they usually do this many anniversaries? No, Because they did 60 years of Bond, The Godfather... Pulp Fiction. Why did these bits go on forever? And then Lady Gaga got to mention really offhand that Cabaret was 50 and that just got a passing comment. <laughs> Cabaret, which won Best Picture. Right. Like, oh, oh yeah, by the way, just so you know. Okay, cool, great. That's not a dude's film though, is it? That's not Bond or The Godfather. So uh, not that I'm being sceptical. No, fine. I think it's completely fair. Can we just address Kevin Costner's weird monologue? Oh well? my God, it went on forever. It truly went on for such a long time. It was so dramatically sincere. It was the dramatic pauses in between. Why? Again, I was. I started questioning myself and was like, is it usually this, like, I don't I know. I don't think so. Deathly serious. Tedious. Oh, my God. Just odd. Um, anyone else on the presenters front? Well, I guess Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes were the sort of hosts, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I don't think Amy Schumer's designed for me, necessarily. I just found her cringe. So there are two th- Amy Schumer pieces of content which I have, like, knowingly enjoyed. The first is she's in that film, The Humans, which we watched, which was fine. Oh, yes. And she was quite good in it. Yeah, she was good And in that, that was, like, a serious dramatic role. Like, she was she was fairly good in that film. Um, and then there's also a, a sketch from the Amy Schumer show where, with Jake Gyllenhaal that involves a ferret, which is, like, pretty funny. Well, that's um, just immediate Jake Gyllenhaal bias, though, isn't it? If he yeah, obviously. It, it wouldn't yeah. really mean anything, but... I just don't think she's for me. No, And that weird seat filler joke about Kirsten Dunst was like, I don't know, even if it's a joke, it just wasn't very nice, I don't think. No, I just, her her brand of humour is not for me, I think. No. And I mean, this probably goes back to the fact that all of these award ceremonies just need, I mean, I don't know who writes the scripts for most of these, but like, we just need a do-over really, don't we? Did you watch any of the BAFTAs this year? Oh, for like a millisecond, but I honestly couldn't take it. It was so bad. I endured it 
because some of the BAFTA nominations were like relatively interesting this year and I did watch it but I just I, I felt I feel the same way about the Oscars hosting as I did with Rebel, oh, Rebel Wilson hosting the BAFTAs in that I was like it was making my skin crawl and it's yeah, just funny it's very very bad we need to I don't know we need a do over we need to draw a line under this a huge overhaul please I did like Yu Jung Yun's presentation because she presented to Troy Kotzer didn't she supporting she actor she was so sweet that didn't feel as, as scripted you know a lot of that felt from the heart and was very it felt to me like the one sincere moment of, of the entire evening it does it did so that was really nice uh rami malik famously didn't blink what, let me just find my notes that he's was, a so robot I, I... I made heart what well, he was famously in the TV show Mr. Robot. So um, I made like actual written notes when I was watching this. And for, for Rami Malek, I've written, Rami Malek genuinely terrifies me. He's so scary. I saw a tweet last week that was in reference to someone watching the ceremony last weekend and was like, I think he can see me through the TV. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he radiates the energy of like a serial killer. It's, it's energy that I honestly haven't felt from anyone else before yeah so the thing is i really enjoyed mr robot as a tv show and he's very very good in it and i think the reason he's good in it is because it really harnesses all of his absolute strange quirks yes and makes it work in the context of like what is essentially a quite strange tv show but outside of that i just don't enjoy him he's a strange gentleman isn't he (laughs) yeah i i haven't watched him in anything since mr robot where i've gone like oh he's really good like i i went to see no time to die last year the bond film Mm -hmm. and he's the villain in it and and he's like fine but it's just not the same there's something about him but it just doesn't it didn't work for me really no um do we address the slap i feel like we probably have to even though we are are all Daniel Radcliffe at this point thinking it's boring. Yeah, so the thing is, this particular ceremony has generated like so much discourse, some good, some bad, but ultimately I personally on a very personal level have nothing else to contribute <laughs> to the landscape beyond like I just don't want to talk about it anymore because I think it's very embarrassing, it's very strange and weird. Um Will Smith resigning from the academy is just okay, right. you know, fine. It won't it won't matter either way really will it all of the calls for the academy for him to to do something about this are really ignoring like the plethora of other abhorrent people (laughs) that are involved in hollywood and in the academy like of course it took a lot for them to finally expel roman polanski you know like gave the man an oscar you know so i just it's wild that chris rock made a joke about alopecia and it's wild that security allowed Will Smith to walk onto that stage, just from a general health and safety point of view. Um, it's also wild that this moment has seemingly overshadowed the war in Ukraine for the past week. Uh, why in, in the UK are we asking Jonathan Creek for his opinions? Like, fuck me, lads. This is <sighs> mental. Um, a man who bit a homeless man's ear off was telling us about how Will Smith like needs to sort his act out. It's just, like, actually watching it within the context. So obviously in the UK, they, they kept it in to the broadcast. It wasn't cut out and didn't cut away or anything Um, and actually watching it when we watched the ceremony like watching it within the actual context of the ceremony and not just watching it on like Mm -hmm. on twitter or on youtube or on the news or whatever it is absolutely surreal it's i thought it was a total because that's the first thing i saw when i woke up the next morning Mm. apart from timmy's midriff and i was like this is completely a bit like this is some sort of like weird i don't know they've gone really too far with the weird scripted drama Mm. and this is just fake so i am so surprised it happened the element of surprise is definitely there i'm also quite surprised 
at how well Chris Rock, <laughs> probably just out of pure shock, handled it afterwards. He did look genuinely shaken. <laughs> And I'd, I'd like in in within the sort of like twenty four hour forty eight hours after it, I I kept going between like was it real, was it fake, was it real? Was it yes, fake? it know? could so easily. Do you know what? If they came out now and said it was fake, I just wouldn't even be surprised. It was mental. It was fully mental. And did you know, April, how many slappy birthday cards are on Etsy right now? I just and and this is the thing that makes me feel most unwell as well. We could go on for hours about the memification of everything, but like, oh, just not okay. Not not okay at all. It's a bizarre Very world odd. we live in, isn't it? And um, then the recovery of the ceremony thereafter as well was just like, oh, we have to sort of make reference to this strange thing that quite clearly happened. Even from the clipped highlights I watched, the whole atmosphere just felt horrible afterwards. Yeah, very odd. And it does, it does really overshadow some nice moments for winners from does. before That's the so we had Troy yeah. Kotzer and the uh, the Encanto win was really nice as well yeah. and that was like oh okay for all it's like eye rolly bullshit like there are some really genuinely nice moments from this year and then this sort of took a shit on all of it <laughs> It just really sours the entire evening, doesn't it? But yeah, I just, I think as a as a whole, just the discourse needs to finish. It's just... Yes. True Welsh grandpa, Anthony Hopkins, speaks for all of us when he says <laughs> we just need peace and love and quiet from now on. So for you, were there any, was there anything else strange, weird about this ceremony? I'd really like to hear your thoughts about the musical performances, which I made you watch. Oh my God, I just, what, I don't know what, I just find musical performances during the Academy Awards really tedious. I don't really know why. I only care for them if it's someone I quite like. So the last one I like knowingly enjoyed was when Sufjan Stevens performed the Fair. year that he was nominated for Call My Name. You know, like that was fine. Yeah, Billie Eilish's um, No Time To Die was quite brief and I she can sing like a motherfucker and I do, gen- that's like the only song I do genuinely like and have listened to. So yeah. I quite enjoyed that. Um, Beyonce fine that for me was just so the way that the ceremony opened was she was introduced by Serena and Venus Williams and Beyonce was performing I think it was pre-recorded yeah they just took it to a pre-record didn't they which felt very weird as the very strange really set the strange tone but she was performing in Compton at the tennis courts that Venus and Serena used to play at as children but for me that just felt like an advertisement for Ivy Park like everyone was wearing like neon yellow tennis ball colours clothing and of course because it's Beyonce it's this like really elaborate well very polished performance yeah. and but that was the only one where I was like yeah okay fair play yeah but just the pre-record element I mean there were a bunch of pre-recorded odd. elements weren't there to this show and it just made it feel very like disjointed so totally opening with weird. that I was like oh yeah. we get to watch Beyonce oh no she's not there no, I don't know it's just a bit there. weird it was very odd wasn't it I also learned that I honestly couldn't recognize an Encanto song if I tried but I have since learned that we don't talk about Bruno um my favorite thing is that I'd managed to avoid that song and any song from Encanto like the plague hadn't heard it I don't go on TikTok so I don't know I didn't know that was a viral sensation it's not even the song that was nominated from Encanto this year was it not see I didn't even know that no they put it in the the broadcast this year because it's the viral sensation but as someone I it must have been in, in another podcast I was listening to or something else I was reading is that like that would have been the way to get like young people and families into watching the ceremony but it came quite late in the ceremony yeah. so it's like most people would have gone to bed by then like it was quite an OTT thing I think from what I've read as well they'd rewritten 
written lyrics from the song so that Megan the Stallion was there. I liked that bit, but that's just yeah, because fine. I like her. I don't know who Becky G is, though. Who's like, that? Who's that? I've just learned also, who Bruno is. Who's Becky G? Also, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, who wrote the song yeah. during Canto, wasn't even there Not even there. Because his wife got COVID and he had to stay home uh... because he was obviously... She tested positive for COVID the day before, I think. So obviously he wasn't... He didn't go to the ceremony. Yeah, so... Oh, no. I just think maybe we stop with musical performances. I think... I just don't think they have a place here. Sorry. No. <laughs> but push those to the pre-tape. Um, a couple of other bizarre things... Uh, I mean, I know we have this every year, but the In Memoriam segment... Awful. It's like the most American thing I have ever witnessed. It's it's bizarre, and this year felt so bizarre. And it's it's a strange thing anyway. Extra odd. Extra odd, where they had Tyler Perry talking about Sidney Poitier, uh, Bill Murray talking about Ivan Reitman. Who the and fuck then was that about? Jamie Lee Curtis talking about Betty White. Came out she with a... mac and cheese the dog. That was a highlight for me. Had a puppy. Just Did a puppy. you know that John Travolta adopted that puppy afterwards? Did he? Yeah. Which I'm annoyed about because I wanted to adopt that Yeah, I mean, that's dog nice though, isn't called it? called mac and cheese. And mac I was going to rename it. Laurie from Halloween. Oh, what am I talking about? Um, yeah, that was odd, wasn't it? We talked about the extremely bizarre bomb segments and all of that stuff that just waffled just on not into forever. Um, my final thing was that just watching this whole thing made me realise, and I said this to you, I can't keep track of who is okay and who isn't anymore. So no. I was like, oh, Jane Campion, yay! Oh, but she said that weird stuff about the Williams sisters, and then it was like, oh, Daniel Kaluuya's here. That's he's really cool. Actually, is he a bit mad? And like Denzel Washington is the goat, but I also I'm hoping there's nothing. I haven't forgotten anything bad about him, have I? I swear, if if anything bad comes out about Denzel, I'm I'm bereft. I'm just pack up, it. go home. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz, what's going on? I just I can't keep up with who's all right and who's not anymore. No, they should have it as a strap line at the bottom. Little little strap line. Okay, not okay. Problematic. A vox pop. Yeah. Okay, so. I also, my final thing is that I, I just hated every single aspect of the hosting. Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. Oh, no, it's horrible. It not, needs not to just be, I don't know, they just need to find a way to flush it all down the toilet and start again. Just have it, like, self-automated. I think so. No hosts. Maybe we need to go back to no hosts. Go back to no hosts. You know what I said about how we need hosts? We don't. I don't think we need them anymore. Change my mind. So from the ceremony generally onto the winners and losers, um, we won't talk about all of the 23 categories because that we would be here for Good ever, Christ, we, no. We thought we would just discuss some of the the main ones, the big the big five plus some extras. So let's start with best picture. We went for the biggie. Yeah, well, I just thought I'd go in hard. This year nominated were Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, Drive My Car, Nightmare Alley, Coda, Licorice Pizza, June and West Side Story. I managed to watch all of these in advance, as I said at the well top of the episode. My maybe sole accomplishment of the last few months. So what did you, who did you want to win? Who did you think would win? before I say um, who actually won. <laughs> Surprise, guess who won? April's going to announce it before you all. To be fair, there were a few films in this list that I really liked. Mm-hmm. There were some few that had very chaotic energy, like mm-hmm. Don't Look Up. Wow, wasn't expecting that at all. Um, basically, I, there's quite a few that I would have been happy if they had won. Uh, it would have been nice for Power of the Dog to win or Licorice Pizza to win or June to win. 
Um, I did not think Licorice Pizza or June would win. I expected Belfast to either just sweep a load of stuff because it's the most Academy Awards based film ever mm-hmm. or I thought it might be The Power of the Dog. Sure. I I wanted Drive My Car to win. Nice. Um, or Licorice Pizza but like you just knew Licorice Pizza. That wasn't going to happen was it? Wouldn't do it. I thought maybe Drive My Car might because we're living in like a post-parasite world. True. Um, but I, I, so I guess in the, in the week build up I kind of knew it was going to be Coda and of course it was Coda. Yeah I wasn't expecting that but I haven't watched yeah. it. So I I don't want to be mean about it because I, th- I just think the thing is it's not it's not for me. I believe you told me it had the energy of an ITV drama. Yeah, it has like big like ITV BBC Sunday night drama fine. energy, which is fine. I think it's and it's a real it's a real achievement. Obviously, it does go without saying. I think that you can be critical about the film oh, without course. being told that you are like discriminatory in any way, which spoiler happened to me. <laughs> I still shed a tear whilst watching them accept the exactly. award. Exactly. So I'm very pleased for them. It's been a it's been a really interesting awards run for them and seeing them all seeing the cast and the crew at various ceremonies and winning various awards has been really lovely and it's obviously like a really worthwhile story to be telling. Um I'm just it's it's funny <sighs> I, I do think the films that were nominated this year is such a weird bunch. There are some that I really, really liked and some that I like abjectly hated. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just sort of knew that Coda was going to come out on top, really, in the in the week build up because there'd been such an interesting campaign for it. And, and they were all like running, running, you know. For yeah, it, so. good for Coda. Why not? I look forward good to the for year them. when we have like 25 films <laughs> like nominated for Best Picture. It's coming. So let's move on to Best Director. Nominated this year were Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Rosuki Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. I feel like you were were really pro-Jane Campion in advance. I would have quite liked... Again, I didn't think... Sorry, I didn't think Paul Thomas Anderson would win. It would be nice. Um, But I thought Jane Campion would win it, and... Mm -hmm. I also did like The Power of the Dog a lot more than I expected, actually. Um, so yeah. I just thought she was going to win this and wasn't surprised that she won. Yeah, I really wanted Paul Thomas Anderson to win just because I always want good things for PTA, always. Yeah. But there was no way that he was going to get it. I, I, I just sort of figured it was going to go Jane Campion's direction, which it did. So. But that's why I also thought, I thought she was pretty much... That was the one of the awards that I was feeling confident about. I was yeah. like, she will win that. And that's why I thought Power of the Dog had a chance with Best Picture as well. But it's funny when they don't run up. Yeah, it, I think Power of the Dog and her win for this is the first time since, I think, 1968 that the Best Director and Best... Or, 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 or a film that's been nominated mm-hmm. as many times as it has only walked away with one award. Yeah, I was quite surprising. The last time that happened was The Graduate in 1968, I think. Um, Got some random energy this year. Lots of very rando very stuff. Less of a joint-up approach, but fine. So for me, this is where like all a lot of the films start being nominated for the next for the next few categories where I've just I hadn't seen the majority of them so yeah. for best actor we had nominated were Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos Benedict Cumberbatch for the power of the dog Will Smith for King Richard Andrew Garfield for tick tick boom and Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth I figured that Cumberbatch might win or wanted him to I win. had him down as wanted and um actually I had him down as wanted to win because uh, notoriously a person who has never given a fuck about Benedict Cumberbatch 
thought he was brilliant in this film and I'm now fully on board. Um, I think I expected Will Smith to win. Yeah, I think it it became apparent that Will Smith was, was I don't know, it's a, that very much felt like it and it's his time award and obviously he won and then it was absolutely strange vibes Ooh, that was a long speech holy smokes that went on forever it went on for such a long time that's and why we... they overran to three hours because they just let him speak for 45 minutes when i was watching it i kept checking the timestamp, and i was like this is still going he, I is... Bet he had a good 10 minutes didn't he it was such a strange strange speech as well because he'd obviously rewritten what he was probably going to say to include reference to the incident and made mention to Denzel something Denzel had said to him in the aftermath of that and I just it was just so bizarre mm-hmm. such a bizarre acceptance speech mm-hmm. just strange energy there absolute bad taste so best actress nominated were Olivia Common for The Lost Daughter Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos and Kristen Stewart for Spencer I've not seen any of these films <laughs> at all uh i've only seen the lost daughter i wanted olivia coleman to win on the basis that i love her and she's a norwich native so of course and she is very of the one film that i've seen from this list <laughs> i think she um is very good at it i actually like all of these people so i would not have been sad if any of them had won i think I almost i don't know i thought it could be penelope i thought mm-hmm. it could be olivia I didn't think it would be K-Stew, even though I love her, but I'm never going to watch Spencer. Um, I think I expected Penelope to win. Interesting. I did not expect Jessica Chastain to win. Uh, I knew Jessica Chastain was going to get it and i think the thing is she 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 won it and and never never ever 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 has anyone been so hungry for an oscar <laughs> as just very Chastain. true like if we were assessing this on the basis of like who'd been putting in the most work this year like she's Jessica Chastain hard. has been running like she's done a marathon race to get this oscar yeah. and, and the thing that i found quite funny was there is a i think it came from the letterbox official twitter account um where they said something along the lines of like after three nominations she finally gets her award and it's like three amy adams is somewhere in the world tonight thinking like guys i've been nominated like so many times hasn't kenneth branner had like six thousand nominations eight he had eight in advance of this come on now she'll live with three she would have been all right she's got oscar isaac to console her she would have been fine right her acceptance speech was was you know good It it was probably the most political of the night i'm so conflicted with jessica chastain in that i simultaneously love and hate her I almost have no immediate opinion on her at all because I just can't work her out. She has such extreme theatre kid energy. Like, she famously went to Juilliard. I can't tell. Is she annoying? Is she lovable? Who can tell? I don't know. But, yeah, she won, so congrats. Good for her. Good for her. Best Supporting Actor. Nominated were Kieran Hines for Belfast, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog, and Troy Kotzer for Coda. Um, I really aggressively wanted Jesse Plemons to win, even Lovely though Jessie. I knew it wasn't going to be the case. I had predicted that Troy Kotzer would It was going to be Troy, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, his campaign has been, you know pretty pretty thorough um he's done an array of lovely speeches every time he's won oh so good it was a very very good speech it was um it was very nice to see so well deserved um would have been really nice to see jesse imagine if cody had won imagine his exceptions that would never would have happened in a million years but no it would have been nice kieran hines would have been good he's probably my favorite 
part of Belfast, a film that I was largely apathetic towards. He's mm-hmm. brilliant in it, though. Like, he's so great in it. It would have been nice if he'd won it just because he's lovely, Kieran Hines. But, uh, They're yeah, all Jess- quite nice, really, aren't they? Jesse was where my heart was, but he'll get one mm. later is down Is J.K. Simmons nice? Yeah, probably. He's fine, isn't he's he? He's fine. They're all quite nice. Oh, quite nice people. I'm just assessing people based on their personality now. <laughs> I'm just... What else can you assess it by, honestly? I've gone off script. Yeah, fine. Best Supporting Actress nominated for Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog and Anjanou Ellis for King Richard. I really wanted Kirsten Dunst to win, even though I knew it was near impossible. It wasn't going to happen, but I also had her down. I had her and Ariana down as, like, they would be nice. I would not have been surprised if, like, Judy Dench had won or something. But I think I thought Ariana would win. Did you watch West Side Story? I did. Yeah, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it far more than I expected. I think it's fucking great. I, I don't you're... think I I don't think I loved it as much as you, but I yeah. did have a good time and I thought there were some very good performances, obviously not including one person, but if you took out Incel Ilbert, like you <laughs> it would be a perfect film. Oh my eyes. god, if they had recast him, I would have given it more stars on Letterboxd. I would say the the biggest snub of Oscar season is the absolute erasure of Mike Faced from I any know. nomination. He's the best part of the film. What a little gem. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, so but I thought Ariana DeBose is, Ariana is brilliant. Ariana was brilliant in it. Really, really good in it. And I feel like she's been really running a very heavy campaign this season and I and I and I really liked her acceptance speech. Her as speech well. was great as well. She seemed genuinely pleased to have won and it was, you know, her mum was thrilled. That was yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. These should... are the things I tune in to see. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mums and daughters. Uh, best Original Screenplay. So nominated were Adam McKay for Don't Look Up, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Zach Balin for King Richard, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Eskil Vogt and Joachim Trier for The Worst Person in the World. Um, obviously, I wanted Paul Thomas Anderson to win and I genuinely thought that he was going to do it. Oh. Branner though. Yeah, I sort of expected that. Sort Did of. you? I just, I just thought it was going to be one of those things where Belfast didn't get anything, or it mm-hmm. just got everything, and we'd sure, be like, sure. "Oh wow, it's like back to the old days where something like Belfast would win everything." So it didn't surprise me. I, having watched the worst person in the world last week, mm-hmm. I did think that was a brilliant screenplay. So um, yeah, that was probably my. Mm, I think that and Licorice Pizza were my favourite screenplays of the two. I'm really glad that the nomination for The Worst Person in the World happened, like having now yeah. seen the film. Like I, that felt really like justified. But mm. I guess the thing with Kenneth Branagh is that it's a very you know, personal story about like a, a significant historical yes, time. Yes, of course. The, the, scr- the screenplay in the script is not is not my favourite thing of that film, but I wasn't It really makes surprised. sense though, doesn't it? But yeah. isn't the Adam McKay? That's interesting. <laughs> Who put Don't Look Up to, on this list? I just hated that film so passionately. The only good thing was Timmy's Misfits jacket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, just a uh, slightly uh, sidebar. It's funny to me to think about that when we did our what we're looking forward to in 2021 list, Don't Look Up was like really high on mine because I actually don't mind Adam McKay's films, mm. but I've never been... I just hated it. It was yeah. absolute 
Ugh. Best adapted screenplay then. So we had Coda was nominated, Drive My Car, June, Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Um, I think I'd thought it would have been quite cute if Maggie Gyllenhaal had won for adapting the Elena Ferrante novel. I had put that down as well. But I always find this category hard because I just assume I should know the source material. How can yeah, I tell I th- you if it's adapted well if I have not read the source? I often find it easier if it's a year where there's lots of things that I've read. So, for for example, if it's a really book-heavy nominated yeah, year, yeah. I think it's easier to kind of gauge if you can kind of go like, oh, I know the source text naturally. Yeah, of it course. makes perfect sense. Yeah. But I've not read either of these. Coda won, though, went to Sean Hedder. And, yeah. and I'd, I'd forgotten as well that Coda is based on a French film called La Family Belly. I hadn't realised that initially, so... No. Finally, Best International Feature. So nominated were Drive My Car, which is from Japan, Flea from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, Lunana, uh, A Yak in the Classroom from Bhutan, and The Worst Person in the World from Norway. Um, I had initially wanted Drive My Car to win because that was the only one I'd seen at this that point. It would have been really nice if The Worst Person in the World had won. Uh, yeah, I would have liked that. I always find this is a, the reason I included this to talk about was mostly because there was a time where we thought that Titan was going to be in there. No Titan, fuck you. Imagine if that had one best international feature. Can you imagine? The little car fucking film. The little car that could, that would have been fucking great. <laughs> Brum, brilliant. Just, just really, really odd. Um, were there any of the other awards that you wanted to talk about? Anything else about the broadcast and any of the anything else? I I realised that our the highlights that we watched didn't include the weird fan favourite award. Oh yes, which was won by the uh, <laughs> Zack Snyder Army of is it Army of Dead? Army of the Dead. Yeah, that which you, you've definitely watched. I have, I have. The only thing I remember from that film is just the use of zombie by the cranberries. The thing I found funny about them including this like fan favourite, which was I think was voted for by people on Twitter. Is Hashtag it TikTok. Abs- it got absolutely hijacked by like weird fandoms. So of course Zack it does. Snyder, all of the Johnny Depp fans nominating the camera film that he did. <laughs> all the Camilla Cabello fans nominating Cinderella. Like why did they this think it was a good idea? This is what fans do. I don't know. Have they never followed like the MTV Music Awards? This is what happens. Right? Guys, did you speak to nobody under the age of 25 in your office? Good Lord. Just pure madness. Um, um, so it, I don't blame them for having cut that from the highlights reel. Uh, can't say I was interested. No, the only um, other miscellaneous moment of chaos um, from during slash after was Liam Payne's Danish accent. <laughs> what was that? Hello. Hello. I am Liam Danish Payne. Like, why? What? Why Liam Payne? Why? What is Liam Payne? I don't know. I don't know. Isn't he from like Wolverhampton or something? Yeah, he's definitely from somewhere like in the Midlands. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have many opinions. Odd, 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 odd. What a weird, what a weird year. Fucking absolutely bananas. Gets weirder every year and not even for good reason. My biggest takeaway from the ceremony this year is that Timmy didn't wear a shirt. That, that's the big thing. Ignore, ignoring the, the actual, you know, the, the incident. Timmy not wearing a shirt was the big takeaway. I mean, obviously that was my main highlight. Yeah, sure, fine, I just, great year. What else would I be tuning in? Truly, I think if he hadn't been there, I, I wouldn't have even checked Twitter the next day. Right. Well, why would I even care? Exactly. He's exactly. literally holding this shit all together at this point. <laughs> the entire weight of the award season. Is the entire weight of Hollywood 
lies on those petite little shoulders. So there we go. That's our little award season recap. Uh, sorry we've been absent. Who, will we Will we get back into regular recording? Who can say? Who can say? It will happen at some point. You've just got to let... Give it time. Give us a break. Good Lord. Is there anything uh, pop culturally, person-wise, that you would like to draw attention to in lieu of our traditional obsession of the week section? Is there anything that you have been enjoying that you wish to just mention? No, don't think so, April. Don't know what you're referring to. There's nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. Can't think of anything. Um, is it, in fact, that in the, like, 24 hours <laughs> that I caught COVID and... Yep. My dad had a major heart heart bypass surgery. Harry Styles decided to a drop a song, and a half naked video, um, oh. which was just exceedingly good. I don't know why I even worried for a millisecond. Why do we it's stress? So good. I'm always like, what would happen if I don't like the song? I just wouldn't have anything to live for anymore. But of he doesn't course, let us down. It was so good. And I just knew somewhere deep in my waters, I knew that he was going to take his clothes off in this video. I just knew it. <laughs> he does it every time. He just knows. So that was wonderful. And then um, they're doing a reboot of The Crow with Bill Skarsgård and apparently FKA Twigs, which is like... Sure. For me, that's like a tier above Batman with Kravitz and Pattinson, really. They just need to add Nine Inch Nails to the soundtrack and I'm there. Don't don't tempt fate. What if what if Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do the score? Oh my god, don't even say it. <laughs> because actually, to be fair, re the crow, there's a very good nine inch nails song on the oh soundtrack. Oh god, there is as well. They could just redo that. What if they do it? I just yeah. Just bring back the Kira Nine Inch Nails for that. I just, yeah, this week post-Academy Awards has been brilliant for things happening. Great content week. Oh, it's been great. I personally have enjoyed finally the launching of Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. Not that I wish to draw attention to Disney, but that's been great for me. A famous fan of both Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac. That's been The show made for you. Have needed that. Yeah, maybe we'll get back into podcasting once we've finished that show. We've got six weeks to get our heads around it. So That's fine, that helps. And we've got Robert Eggers' The Northman coming out, which is also Ethan Hawke content and Alexander Skarsgård content for you. Only been waiting for that film for like five years or something. Mad. I'm so excited. We can watch that and the Horny Nun film and um, that would be a great, great comeback, I feel, for us. double header. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there we go. That's a little plan. Horny Vikings, horny nuns. <laughs> so you can find us online. We're Twitter at The Thirst. You can find us in all the usual podcast places by searching for The Thirst too. Uh, maybe even give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod. We're also over on Facebook as well, The Thirst Pod. And you can find us on thirstpod.wordpress.com as well. Bye. See you in a year. Bye. Bye.